may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, guys. What a wonderful presence of the Lord. What a praise. What a time. What a beautiful song. He is beautiful. David said, I just love to sit in the house of the Lord and gaze at the beauty of the Lord in his, in his holiness. And uh, I think so many times we get distracted, uh, almost uh, paralyzed by things around us and our surroundings. And it could fade out the beauty of our Lord. He is beautiful. Amen. He is beautiful. And I'm so happy you're here today. Uh, we've been waiting. We uh, It's been several weeks. Pastor Mark, if you'll join me. Help me appreciate Pastor Mark Houseneck. He's a friend. He's a friend above all. He's a friend. Him and Cindy, their family, a part of our church here. We love them. And and he's bringing a bunch of books. That might We might be here a while, folks. Well, I don't know. <laughs> if you don't know Mark, he is the head of security over at uh, at Mercy. He's been a member here. Him and his family have been. Come on up here. I'll get you that microphone. Get that microphone. See if it works. And uh, been a part of our church family here. Teaches Sunday school uh, with others in the adult class. And uh, just a friend. He and I have become close. Pastored in New York uh, for several years. And uh, great state of New York. What was the church that you pastored there? Tell them. See if it works. High tech. It's a lot of, a lot of moving parts there. Look at that. Uh, my wife and I pastored senior pastors at Lakeview Assembly of God for uh, almost seven years there before we moved out here to Missouri, where our kids were going to school at Evangel and settling into Springfield. Before that, we were uh, assistant pastoring at a, a Central Assembly of God in Horseheads, New York, and associate pastoring before that in Philadelphia at the Philadelphia Dream Center. So uh, the Lord's led us on a very circuitous route to this moment. So we're, we're thankful for that. Amen. God's good. Well, hey, the last time Pastor Mark and I got together, we did uh, a series on revival and we did uh, 45, uh, what, I think it was 45 uh, slides oh, yes. on, on the uh, first and second great awakening. And boy, did we have, did y'all have a good time? Okay, well, we had one too. We enjoyed ourselves. Uh, and we decided we we're going to do this again. We stopped and then, you know, we had a spike and all kinds of stuff and different things. Summer hit and y'all were gone. Glad to have y'all back. Come on, look at your neighbor down the other side and say, boy, it's good to have y'all back. We missed y'all for a while. Up in the balcony was good. And I got to tell you about Hallie Forrester. Hallie Forrester ended up, Chris, I don't know, 13th in the nation. 10th in the nation. 9th in the nation. You're a long ways away. Shout it out. 9th in the nation for, for, um, for a beach volleyball, is a beach volleyball. Her and her uh, friend went all the way to Cali to the Nationals and ended up ninth in the nation, which somebody give God glory. Junior Olympics is what it is, right? Is Hallie up there? Hallie, she's not up there today, but she was here last week, wore out. They went uh, coast to coast, mm-hmm. and they came back ninth in the nation. Just so proud of that girl. And uh, other people accomplished some other things. I'm trying to remember. It's hard to remember everything in, in uh, week to week. And we miss here and we miss there. But if you accomplished some great things this summer, we're proud of you as well. Amen. So we stopped at um, Billy Sundays where we stopped. And so if you have that PowerPoint ready to go, we're going to start back up, Pastor Mark. And uh, the study of revivals in American history from 1900 till today. So right. am I going to work this, Sissy? All right, I'll work it myself. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Mark put together some slides. I added some slides. We were well, supposed to get together. We had some some uh, 
things came up at work and we couldn't get together Friday. So <laughs> here we go, bro. <laughs> hey, well, it's going to be God or it's going to be nothing. It's all God or nothing. How many, how many like that? It's all God or nothing. But he's ready. He's done a lot of study. It's a great scripture that we all know. Would you say it with us? If, if my, my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. How I many know that's God's promise to us today? Our land and, uh, boy, doesn't it? And pastor, in all of his studies, he did all of these lessons. Is there not a cause? What is revival? Old Testament revival with Jonah. Uh, New Testament revival at Pentecost, Protestant Reformation, which we touched a little bit on yep. last time, and the first and second great awakening, one in Europe and one in America, uh, and then part two of the one in America where Billy Sunday, we caught a little bit of that, and uh, and then uh, which led us to today. So so we're going to try to pick up today with World War II, and Pastor, I'll let you kick it off. I know in, in uh, the notes... We picked it up as, right. as starting in World War Two at the end of the Civil War. You have here or World War Two, yes, World War One. Go ahead, yep. pick it up there, and then we'll go to World War Two. And so we and saw then, at the close of the of the of the nineteen hundred, uh, the eighteen hundreds rather. We saw some great revivalists come and go. We saw the you know D.L. Moody and Charles Finney and just great and great miraculous moves of God. But then as the Industrial Revolution begins to hit. Things begin to really pick up pace for humankind, let alone for we see uh, just the with the industrial revolution. But there's also there's this as we begin to grow and see increase in communication, increase in media, and suddenly the world shrunk. It got a lot smaller. It used to be even now before the internet. Now now all of a sudden you see things happening over in Japan, if you will, in the the Japanese and Russian war in the early 1900s have a, uh, an impact on the rest of the world. A lot of people didn't even know where Japan was. All of a sudden, it got smaller. Yeah. So the need for God to move to to uh, impact world events and impact cultures and, and peoples, we see even greater. Yeah. So one of the things with the end of the Civil War and with the air, uh, yes, right here, the Civil War revival that Dio movie is a part of, we see here that um, there, American growth westward yeah. as it's spreading westward. There's this huge land to be tamed, and we see also this influx of European immigrants, thousands and thousands of people from Europe, raised traditionally uh, in, in Catholicism, yeah. are now coming to a, a country where there's been this uh, from a religious formalism. Now they're seeing things like the Cane Ridge revival. They're seeing the Finney revivals, the Deal Moody revivals. And they're coming face to face with a real God, not just some religious form, but a real fire, just a, a Holy Spirit fire. And it just, it caught them off guard, but it also caught them on fire. And they took that westward with them. And that's the end of the 1800s. So uh, the Civil War is gone. We're going into the 1900s and yep. Pentecostalism. So I think when we last ended up and, and uh, we had these camp meetings over in Kentucky, Yep. And the Cambridge revivals and all of those things, people were gathering, having all demonstrations of the spirit were happening all over uh, America, mostly uh, Georgia. We talked about uh, South mm -hmm. in the South was a whole lot of revivals going on. And so when we when we moved uh, th this, is Pastor Mark put it here, we, uh, we need 
a genuine Holy Ghost revival. How many of you agree with that? Amen. In American history, uh, if America's not going to be destroyed, if we're going to salvage our country, yep. we need another move of God. And so uh, these are some of the questions we want to answer. But the situation was, at the end of the Civil War in 1865, uh, he talked about the Reconstruction era winding down. America once again turned itself to trying to heal its divisive wounds and tame a wild west that can more people from Europe to come to America. Uh, the Industrial Revolution, things are, are moving forward, swinging, uh, full swing in America. And, um, and America grew and expanded across the continent. Spiritual matters began to fade to the backdrop of other pursuits pressing forward. So modernity and uh, pop, you know, the popular deal is now it's American Revolution. People are getting more prosperous. They have less need of God. Remember last week I talked to you about uh, when we praise, when we praise, we praise uh, when we have a need through suffering. And sometimes we, when suffering comes, we forget to praise God. When abundance comes, same thing happens. So in the American Revolution, uh, things began to come and prosperity began to come and a need for God seemed to wane once again. So, so doctrinal differences and lukewarmness again quenched the revival fires of Finney, as Pastor just mentioned as our introduction. Moody revivals in the mid and late 19th century, uh, Christianity became more c- cerebral and uh, uh, only in the mind, more, more refined, socially acceptable. Cultural Christianity had replaced the fanatical faith produced by the revival. So, what kind of Kind of like today. Kind of like today. We kind were getting edumacated. Yeah, it was full circle. Yes. Though. And so now the Wesleys and the, and the Methodist movement, now they're getting uh, more, you know, sanctimonious. They're becoming more ceremonial, more cerebral, more thinking. Now we're going to be theologically correct, but the fire is waning. Is yes. that kind of right. where we are? That's yep. kind of where we are at this situation on the report. So we need the Holy Ghost. Yes. So we're going into the 1900s, as that's our topic for today, Pastor. That was a good intro. Kind of reminded us where we were. Right where we need to be. That's where we need to be. (laughs) So Pentecostalism uh, at the turn of the century. And uh, is anybody here glad to be Pentecostal? So, Pastor, tell us about this guy. As we, uh, oh as we open up. I yeah. was hoping we'd start with him. Oh, yeah. He's the guy. He's the guy to start with him. Topeka, Kansas in 1901. You know, what we see also happening is as the... As, as it gets drier, the climate is dry, the, the, the hunger began to come. Yeah. And Charles Parham, they began to study scripture and basically say, isn't there more than this? Isn't there more to this yes. than just a head, just up here? There was a yearning in their hearts. And as they began to read in Joel and in Acts chapter 2, there's like, there's, there's another work. There's a deeper work of the spirit within us. And they began to really cry out for that Holy Ghost baptism. And we begin to see that Charles Parham in his Bible school in Topeka, Kansas, he challenged his students, hey, there, look at Acts chapter 2. Here is the prophetic word that Peter, the apostle Peter spoke about. And they didn't put a time limit on it. They didn't put a pin in it. They didn't put an exclamation point. Uh, it's a comma. We can get this. It's yeah. for us too. It's for this generation. Yeah. And they challenged, he challenged the students to pray. They prayed all night on New Year's Eve. And then on New Year's Day Hallelujah. in Topeka, Kansas. Topeka, Kansas on New Year's Day, 1901, 
the Holy Spirit fell and people were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost as evidence was speaking in other tongues. Amen. 1901. Uh, older lady named Agnes Osmond. Yep. Uh, the first to speak in tongues in America in quite some time. So, so just to backtrack and get you back to where we're on track here in Pentecostalism in 1901. So, so the Wesleys and all those guys were dealing with salvation. Yes. But when it came to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was uh, being an instrument just in bringing people to Christ. Now, I want you to know, it takes the Holy Spirit to get us to Jesus. How many agree with that? There is salvation through the Holy Spirit, but now we're dealing with the subsequent work, the subsequent work, the work after conversion and salvation, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the, for the first time now, we're studying and trying to get the students to understand Agnes Osmond and those seven students at Topeka uh, Bible College in Topeka, Kansas, 1901. This is the guy was instrumental Amen. in starting that. And so at the turn of the century, that's the first time someone speaks in tongues in America, yep. at uh, at least to, to their yep. knowledge. But you know, when I think back, Pastor Mark, I think of uh, the, the writings of Wesley and his manuals. Yes. Uh, he talks about a very ecstatic experience that he has in the spirit while yep. he's praying. And he, he feels like his lips are stammering. You know, I read the, those uh, those sure. manuals of his uh, 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 of his writings, and he talks about an experience where he has stammering lips and uh, just uh, feeling like he's in another dimension. It's a possibility that your boy was baptized in the Holy Ghost Amen. and didn't know it. Amen. So they didn't really know what was going on. Even D.L. Moody talked about the secret to his ministry as being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and unfortunately, a lot of people in the Moody Bible Institute, different ones, have expunged a lot of his experiences out of the records because he truly believed that he had to be baptized in the Holy Ghost in order to be effective in ministry. D.L. Moody. Yeah. And so so because the the people that did not uh, despise this new teaching or whatever, uh, or this one that experienced is not new, how I many know it was birthed in the book Amen. of Acts? Amen. So the book of Acts became very controversial. Mm. Uh, people didn't want to use the book of Acts as the model for Pentecostal, uh, experience. They didn't want to use that because that was the, the pattern we believe in the Assemblies of God. And we'll take you there yep. in just a little bit. But this is the beginning of the Pentecostal Amen. movement in the, in the 20th century. So, yes, sir, go ahead. I was just going to say the next thing we're going to see is if you if you go I think we're going to next. So after the students of his Bible uh, school there in Tobia, Kansas, began speaking other tongues, they they said this is the initial physical evidence. A lot of people say, "Well, we we don't we believe in the, in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but it's a feeling, it's a an emotion, it's uh, you know I just feel like I have I I can identify that I have." But he was specific. No, it's the biblical model is speaking in a heavenly language in an unknown tongue or unlearned tongue, and that is evidence, the proof that you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost as is taught next. And that's the first time the term, the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is used. So Parham was instrumental in helping us to to get to that place. And he had a buddy by the name of... uh, Mr. William Seymour. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's coming, brother. And there he is. Oh, oh William yeah. Daddy Seymour. And oh, William and we Daddy Seymour. we did not practice this. And we didn't All practice week. because I knew where he was going and I pulled out some slides to help us. Yeah. Because Daddy the, Seymour. The, time, the timeline is the timeline. Yes. We, we're not making this yes. up. This is what happened. So what happened was Charles Parham, he went to Houston, Texas from Topeka, Kansas, and he began to teach in the Bible school in, in, Topeka, in uh, Houston, Texas. And they had this uh, one-eyed uh, African-American man named William Seymour, William J. Seymour. Uh, they called him William Daddy. 
but he was in classes with, with uh, Parham, but he had to be in the hallway, restricted because of re- racial uh, issues back yep. in that day. So he was listening to the teaching of Parham, Charles Parham from, uh, from the hallway, and he learned this uh, initial so I, physical evidence as they continued to study. And, and I have a little side, as we were preparing for this, I was preparing the, this at home, because uh, uh, as I dug through other sources, rather than just, like, I want to dust this off, but also make it fresh, too. Yeah. Is there was a, a businessman in Los Angeles that was a personal acquaintance of one Evan Roberts. Oh, wow, the, okay. In the Welsh Revival. Yes, y'all remember him. And he, he was, they had their own little correspondence going, and he'd heard of the revivals, and he's like, oh, Brother Roberts, if we could just have revival here in America. Do you think America will ever have revival? Wow. And he... Roberts wrote in a, in, a, in a personal correspondence to this Los Angeles businessman that, yes, America's going to experience a revival like none other, and it's going to just shake the world. Mm. Within days of him getting that letter, Azusa Street happened. Wow. I just read, I just read it like this morning, actually, as I was finishing this up. Well, from Houston, Texas, William Daddy Seymour went to, uh, to Los Angeles. Before he went to the mission there, the Zusa Street Mission in Los Angeles, 1906, he was at uh, Bonnie Bray Avenue. It's just a house that they had uh, had, and they were preaching. He was preaching, quite a preacher. And on the porch, he began to preach, and crowds began to gather from the neighborhood and other places and uh, hear Brother Seymour preach. And uh, quite a humble man, quite a humble man. I wasn't there for show, but he would preach, and God would anoint, and people would be blessed. But he and his girlfriend and many others were praying about receiving this initial evidence of speaking an unknown tongue. And they got baptized in the there Holy Spirit. Go. And so many people gathered, they say, that the uh, the porch, I guess, caved in. Collapsed. Collapsed at the house on Bonnie Bray <laughs> Avenue. And so they had to find another place to meet. And so they found this uh, stable there on Azusa Street, the old mission. Yep. It was uh, basically a barn yep. with hay. and Some people call it like a warehouse or a barn. Yes, it was yeah. basically. They had to clear a, it out and clean it, it out. Yeah, it was a abandoned building, basically. And every time you find hay, you find other things. Yeah. If y'all can imagine, they had to clean that place out. It wasn't, it wasn't spectacular or eloquent or beautiful. But isn't it just like God mm. to take those less likely places and pour his spirit out in it? And so God, uh, God, uh, brought him, said about old Pastor Seymour that he would preach with a box over his head behind the pulpit. So that people wouldn't see him, and God would use it. And to mer- tell us some some things that happened there, if you so, remember. So some of the things you begin to see is, again, remember this is before the internet. This is before telephone and all these things. Telegraph was out, yes, but all of what we understand as modern communication, they did it by newspapers. They did it by telegraph, and within weeks of the Holy Spirit falling on Vazusa Street, there were men and women from around the country and eventually around the world coming to Azusa Street to some were there to be spectators, but others were desperately seeking yeah. the real deal. Yes. And I believe we can see a similar thing today. People are hungry inside. They're empty inside. They're desperate because the cerebral religion has failed them and the learning of our universities has failed them. And, and I'm thinking we have a golden opportunity here. Yes. We do. Because absolutely. now we do have the communication. And people can fly and, and use train and, and modern things. And just like Azusa Street, God can pour out his spirit right here. And pe- 
I remember when I was in Brownsville, they had over 3 million people come through those doors. Oh, yes. Yes. And I was going to ask you the question. This is, uh, you know, do you think your church could stand 3 million people coming through the door? This church could stand whatever comes through the door. Amen. <laughs> we uh, we uh, shudder at the idea of pastoring a revival. But if the Lord puts that on us, Oak Grove, do you think we can handle it? Amen. With the Lord's help, we can do anything. Amen. In fact, the scripture came to me before I came out. Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord build the house, we That's labor right. in vain that build That's right. it. That's right. So the humility that we have as, uh, as he would have, uh, hiding behind the pulpit. Amen. And, and, uh, I think God blesses humility. Amen. And if the Lord wants to choose, uh, Azusa Street or any other mission, he chose the assemblies of God. Yes. And, uh, and I think that you said earlier that because things got really dark, you know, early mm-hmm. on, people got hungry and, uh, because it got dry and, yep. and, uh, stale, people began to get hungry. Our culture today is getting very tired of carnal Christianity. Right. They're getting tired of dead church. Come on now. They're Amen. ready. They're Amen. getting hungry. They want the word. They want the spirit. And it's time for us to pray through and get back to that place. So one of the focal points of the emerging Pentecostal movement was known as uh, Azusa Street Revival all the way to 1909. And it was an unlikely loca- location for an event. I mean, oh, Springfield is an unlikely location. For a worldwide revival, I just got to tell you that. If any place in the world, nobody would dream of it happening here. But it's possible, glory, glory, uh, that it would change the face of Christianity. And in the summer of 1906, revival um, erupted in in newly formed congregation meeting in the small, rundown apostolic faith mission at 312 Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. So uh, the word began to... Spread, okay, critics attacked the congregation because it was a uh, mild-mannered African-American holiness preacher uh, preach re- uh, racial reconciliation. Oh, that would be a great message to preach today, amen? And restoration of biblical spiritual gifts, manifestations back in the church. You hardly hear that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so so uh, bringing back regular New Testament book of Acts kinds of That's things right. that manifest and, in the church. And where some were saying the book of Acts is a terrible model to... to Patting your church after the Pentecostals, like no, this this is the first church. This is the way. This is what this is the God this model. Is the blueprint. That's right. This is the blueprint to success. If you want to be that, be that church that makes it. And it's when we get away from the blueprint, we end up where we're on seeking sand. Yes, yes. So we got that a, lethargic uh, church that's just dry and kind of lukewarm. Lukewarm church, yeah, and that's, that's where they were. And so Seymour uh, had been a student of uh, Parham, and he he saw that framework of of the initial evidence. Mm-hmm. And uh, while the apostolic faith movement was largely confined to the South Central United States, the revival as Azusa Street uh, catapulted Pentecostalism before the worldwide audience. So it really did. So there was this faith and witness. Was that the paper? Do you remember the paper that not only did the Los Angeles right. Times cover yes. what happened on the Azusa Street, but there was papers written. Uh, yes. One of them was called the Faith and Witness, yep. and it would circulate to all these churches, now Pentecostal churches. Uh, they would leave the revival in Azusa Street and go plant a church. And so they planted little small Pentecostal works all over America uh, early in the early 1900s. Uh, but there was a problem, Pastor. The problem was they began to have uh, this one teaching this and that one teaching that. So they had all kinds of extra biblical teachings and yep. manifestations. And yep. so they would take the experience. Uh, but not back it up with the biblical content. So, and then that's one of the things with human nature. You see the the, the, pen, the swing of the pendulum. Yeah. So the, they 
Azusa Street, Charles Parham, and the Walsh Revival came when the pendulum swung all the way into the classroom. We have to be cerebral Christians. We're, it's a based on learning and knowledge. Then Azusa Street happens, and they were swinging too far the other way. Only experience. Forget forget sound doctrine. Yes. Forget. Just let the Spirit lead us and guide us. And that's how error can come in. And I use the example of the sunlight. Um, if I have the sunshine and I feel it's warmth and it's really nice, that's great. But I need a magnifying glass and I can focus that, I can start a fire. Yes. And, and what needed to happen was this great outpouring. There needed to be a magnifying glass, if you will, to focus it. And I think that's what our, our next spot is. Yes. What happened in yes. Hot, Hot Springs. Hot Springs is coming right yeah. now. But I got to tell you that the apostolic faith, people began to plant these churches. And one other thing that they was dead set against was organization. Yes. So anything that looked organized or like the mainstream church, they were totally against. Right. And so... They wanted to be independent. They wanted, uh, they want no rules. Yep. They Led didn't by no, the spirit only. By the spirit only. Nobody tell us what to do. That was the, that was the age of, uh, that was the mindset at the time. So it's important that all these churches are shooting up and God's doing great things. Not shooting up. That's not In a fact, we, the, the, that's more like the church today, right? We're talking. <laughs> I, okay, yeah, so. Didn't mean to. So one of the one of the sad little sidebars with with Brother Seymour was that is as it began to break apart was because of that there, they refused any organization and, and and different personalities began to come to the fore and flesh and the devil began to come in and it divided them up. But the cool thing with with Brother Seymour, he stayed true to the Apostolic Street Mission. Yes, where he started, he stayed there and preached until the day he died. Amen. He was a and man of faithful us. man, a man of faith. Formation of the Assemblies of God came as a revival rapidly yes. spread. Many Pentecostals recognized the need for greater organization and accountability to teaching and doctrine. Yep. And the founding fathers and mothers of the Assemblies of God met in Hot Springs, Arkansas on April 2nd through the 12th, 1914. Would somebody give God praise for the Assemblies Amen. of God? Amen. And this is the first executive team, a leadership flower. Yep. And uh, Ian Bell's in the middle there and the others that were there in Hot Springs. So Ian Bell was pastoring in Malvern, Arkansas, and he, I don't know how they got together, but they 300 pastors got together in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And the reason was because of all of this disenfranchisement, Mm -hmm. all of this individualism of I've got to teach my thing and you teach your thing, and we don't want organization. That is taboo. We don't want anybody uh, coming together. We come out of that. We don't want to get back into that religious mold of yes. organization. So, so these guys said it's a must. Yeah. It's blessed are the balance. They weren't looking to constrain or govern, make it political gangs. That's where we came from. But if you don't harness the horses, you can't go very far. Amen. You really can't. Amen. And so there they came. There's a picture, all 300 of them. Look at uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> there they are in the woods. There's there behind. Right they there. were standing right behind the opera house, which is in hot springs. And right there on the floor, if you go to Hot Springs, Arkansas right now, we went at the uh, the turn of the 100 years. I was there. Okay. And I do. I, too, took a picture right there. Uh, wow. But they didn't take They didn't put it out. Uh, it's, it's not out. It's not as famous. You got to go find it. Uh, anyway, I have a picture on my phone, but it's, it's not as famous. But in 25 years, if the Lord should tarry, Lord willing, you might be looking at me behind the tree uh, somewhere. I tried to shine my head where y'all can see me, but it didn't work out. 
That's the opera house. If you go there today, on the sidewalk right there, Pastor Mark, is the uh, uh, emblem of the Assembly of God. Really? Where, yes, right there. That is where the, the go, Assembly of God go got there. started, right there. Go see and that. when we went, you need to go see it. It's pretty awesome to see the historical beginning. And from the beginning, evangelism and missions have been central to the identity of the Assemblies of God. Aren't you glad about that? In 2007, the Assemblies of God claimed a constituency in the United States. This is 2007. Mark's, Mark's stats here of uh, a whole bunch of people, uh, right? 2.8 2. million, million adherents. Yes, so in, in America. 311 churches. churches right. 33,622 uh, ministers. Now we're probably 13,000 churches, 36,000 ministers, and I don't know how many constituents. Uh, in The General Council suppo- uh, supported 2,691 foreign missionaries and associates working with the broader world of Sermons of God Fellowship, whose adherents numbered more than 57 million. That was 2007. Yep, Today it's 68, 68 million. Would you give the Lord praise for Amen. that? Amen. From 300 people in Hot Springs... The 68 million people. It's a, it's a work of God. So God gets all the glory. He does. And he that's does. what Daddy, from Daddy Seymour's example, where he would hide behind the pulpit and preach, is he didn't want any credit. He, yes. he was a humble, humble man. And, and that's the way when we hide behind that, that pulpit and just let the word of God do the preaching, you can't go yes. wrong. You really and the can't. anointing and the unction of the Holy Spirit. Ministers and leaders were, uh, were trained in 1891 foreign Bible schools. 1800. Bible schools overseas. The Assemblies of God had 19 endorsed Bible schools and universities and seminary in the United States, seminaries. Uh, the National Office of the Assemblies of God located none other than... Come on, y'all to get happy about that. Springfield, this is historic. Missouri. Springfield, we're the home. Some of you are sad about that, but I'm happy about and that. You know something with that, Pastor? I, I've done a lot of study also in spiritual warfare, and I don't, I don't think it's without coincidence mm. at all that this this latest surge in COVID, um, this, remember, the, the symbol of China is the dragon, okay? And I believe the devil would love to just destroy Springfield. Oh, yeah. Destroy the saints of Springfield. You better believe it. Because this is where it all began. And I, again, full circle, I believe God would love to relaunch it here. The devil's going to try to get us before we get started. Get yeah. us before we can launch. Oh, yes. And, and that's Snuff us out. Exactly. And this is something the devil fights the hardest when he knows there's the most at stake. Absolutely. And that perspective came to me early on at Oak Grove, and I didn't know why in the world the Lord would send a demonstrative Pentecostal to Springfield. I had the idea that they were dead and dried up and theologically correct, and, uh, and so a bunch of theologians running around, but no, no fire. But I was dead wrong. Can somebody say praise God? Because there's always a remnant of people. Yep. Who want the Holy Ghost? So yes, yeah, there were some signs of uh, dried up religion, mm-hmm. and, and uh, but but the Lord uh, said, if I were the devil, show me that same very thing. Yep. If I were the devil, I would attack of all the cities in America. I would attack Springfield, Missouri, yep. because of the tons and tons of literature yep. and Bibles that go out yep. of this city every day, because of CBCs and the evangels and the AGTS yep. and the Global University, Global by itself, yes. all the institutions of training and ministers Amen. and such as that. No other city in our nation has as much training for ministers as we do right here. That's right. And all the other agencies outside of the Assemblies of God, Convoy of Hope is enough to shut us down Yes, because of the impact we're making around the world. So, so yeah, absolutely. But this is how we got started. That's who we are. 
uh, missions from, from the Assemblies of God started sending out missionaries. This is one of the early, uh, Brother Victor Plymeyer and his wife Grace, early missionaries to Tibet. And, uh, and so I don't know if, if that's his, uh, uh, his son or daughter. I can't tell him. No hair. It's like me. Uh, but anyway, little churches popped up, pastor, all over the nation. Little Assembly of God churches, Assemblies of God. That was in Alabama, I think. If I looked, I just picked up some. Uh, and do you remember our picture in 1946 of Wayside Tabernacle Assembly of God? We were in that. We were in that number of little churches that gathered together. It was planted by Gypsy Johnson and her husband uh, that, that wanted to win the students at the, at the uh, university here. And so we, too, were in that number. Here's some books. Pastor mm-hmm. Popular History mm-hmm. uh, is a good book, I think, uh, Bloomfield. Uh, and then The People of the Spirit by McGee. Mm-hmm. It's another great book if you'd like to pick up to look at the histories of the Simmons of God. I also would recommend you go over to 1445 Boonville to the Heritage Center. Oh, yes. And you can go through the Pentecostal Heritage Center. You'll see Ian Bell. And then uh, something happened in 1916 or 15 that uh, shook us up right away. You know, you said the devil wanted to shut us down before we got started. In 1915, they began to talk about a oneness. Somebody had a vision of Jesus, just Jesus, being uh, not not the Trinity, but oneness. And so Ian Bell, our first superintendent, fell for that, and he slipped away a little bit. But by 1919, he came back. I mean, oh, God's gracious to bring us back to straight, to right mind. And uh, And he came back, and we went on and debated that oneness doctrine, which went on to bring lots and lots of confusion in America to Pentecostalism. In fact, some people despise Pentecostalism because of that era of teaching and some of the legalism that went along with that. So so somewhere between the two, we need to be finding it. Church of God in Christ started, Pastor, 1907. Church of God in Christ would be, for lack of a better word, the uh, African-American Assemblies of God. Unfortunately... The 300 pastors that were in Hot Springs were not all uh, white or all black. It was just predominantly Anglo, white, yep. uh, with just a, uh, one or two African-American pastors. And so uh, because of the racial tensions of the day, just like Seymour, they began their own fellowship, the Church of God in Christ, which is they believe like we do. They are part of the body of Christ just like we are. But they made their fellowship, and then we had our fellowship. But. In 1995, Tom Trask went to to Bishop Patterson, who was in Memphis, Tennessee, and washed his feet and apologized on behalf of the Simmons of God. But we should have never let that happen. We should have been one body. Somebody needs to shout amen. We should be one church. We shouldn't be. Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week, and it shouldn't be that way. But that was actually the the thing that caused Brother Seymour... uh, Daddy Seymour and Brother Parham to actually separate yes. and go their separate ways. Which, yes. Uh, Brother Seymour wanted uh, integrated uh, services, and uh, Brother Parham didn't see it that way. And they, they asked what actually caused the separation between Absolutely. the two of them. And still a big deal in our country it is. today. Women in ministry. Pastor, I just wanted to bring that out. How many believe God can raise up women? Come on now, for goodness sake, the first woman that spoke in tongues was Agnes Osmond. That's right. It was a woman. It wasn't a man. So God bless the ladies. And these are the ladies in their pinned up hairdos and shouting down the glory of God. And they shook that hair. The pin, Bobby pin started flying everywhere. But if it were not for the women in the early years that took these churches and pastored them, we wouldn't have an Assemblies of God. There's a whole lot to say. So many of them. 
you know, I don't know if we have time to get the Amy Simple McPherson. Oh, she's here, Pastor. She's here. There's Amy right there. there. (laughs) Amy Simple McPherson. This is early, uh, late 40s, early 50s, maybe. Now, the Great Depression was what, 1929? That was started in 29, went through the 30s, and then we came out of it during World War, at the beginning of World War II. But we talk about the greatest generation, but what we don't understand is that there were still these revivalists that were leading the charge to deepen America spiritually to prepare us for what was to come in World yes. War II. Yes. So, and she so, was, she was, one of she the was powerful. She yep. was powerful. And, uh, Los Angeles Temple. Yep. That was her church. And I think I have a picture of the temple there in Los Angeles, California. Uh, there it is. That is now the Dream Center. Where okay. Tommy Barnett, uh, they gave that, uh, the, the, uh, Foursquare Church, right. which she was a part of, I believe, right. gave that to Tommy Barnett's son, Matthew Barnett, and that is where the Dream Center is in Los Angeles today. So God is still transforming lives from Amy Simple McPherson's yep. ministry there and Angela's Temple. Unbelievable. And then, uh, Billy, old Billy Graham. I know he's not a Pentecostal pastor, but he oh. was quite instrumental in, uh, a lot of people getting saved. Here's right? another thing about Brother Graham and, the only sermon that he ever preached, the same sermon twice, was uh, how to get baptized in the Spirit. Wow. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And there was, he was at a place, I believe it was called Forest Home, that they had experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And while he was attending there as a guest, the Holy Ghost got, got a hold of him powerfully. Wow. And he, he basically said, you've got to be filled with the Spirit. Now, he used the terminology filled with the Spirit. We say baptized. And it just transformed his ministry, mm-hmm. transformed him. And he went on to do the Los Angeles crusade in 1949. Yes. The big that tent. just, oh my goodness. It, it just it rocked the world. And Indeed. over 3 billion people came through, it, through his ministry, came to his crusades and different meetings. There's a 3 billion people and it all started at a little Pentecostal forced home. <laughs> Great men like Billy Graham. How about David Wilkerson? I oh, don't yes. have a picture of him, but yep. the cross and the switchblade yep. and the ministry to people with uh, life-controlling problems. Sure. The Assemblies of God in yep. the U.S. missions began to deal with life-controlling issues and start ministries like Amen. what? Teen Challenge. Challenge. Thank you very yep. much. Some of you know your Assemblies of God the, history. It was part of the Jesus movement. Came out of, of the Jesus things. movement. So the Jesus yep. movement was very instrumental after all of these uh, these people we're going to go through now. Uh, there's the big crusades yep. there in 49. Yep. Uh, the whole gospel for the whole world, tent revivals broke out all over the place yep. in the early 50s. The sawdust and uh, Sawdust, yeah. And so Oral Roberts down big in time. Tulsa. Yep. I remember that guy. Oh, Who are yeah. you now? And uh, and then uh, he still needs a million dollars, by the way. Uh, but I'm just, God bless Oral. He's He got old and a little senile at the end there. But uh, <laughs> tent, tent meetings and stuff like that going on. Jack Cole, A.A. Uh, yep. uh, uh, a. Allen, a. A. William Brannan. Oh, you remember his most famous sermon, A.A. A. Allen? No. God is a killer. God is a killer. Well, <laughs> he's a certainly, great sermon, by the he'd way. certainly be killing people today. <laughs> Jack uh, Cole, Billy Graham, I mean, uh, R.W. Schambach. How many Amen. You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. So the pastor who mentored me to go into the ministry, um, was his crusade coordinator. Wow. Yeah. Well, he was an old time. When I first got saved in 1982, uh, I, I didn't have a radio in my Frito-Lay truck. I worked at Frito-Lay. That was my prophet. 
and uh, I, uh, the chips were rolling in. <laughs> anyway, the, where's my drummer? <laughs> anyway, I'd put the radio on, and, and, and his, yeah, R.W. Schembach would come on, man. You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. And I cut my teeth on that kind of Pentecostal preaching yep. Yep. in the early days. And yep. Don Brankel was our evangelist that came to our church every year. And uh, Catherine Coleman. Yep. Wow, what a powerful woman of God. And uh set of Catherine Coleman. Now, I know she's very theatrical. She'd flow. She'd flow down through the platform. Mm-hmm. Very theatrical. Very, very... um um, full of life and, and uh, passion, but, but, uh, but power of God all over. Here's the thing with that. Don't get hung up on that. A lot of people look, skeptics look for things to nitpick and let that be, they'll strain, they'll swallow a camel strain of the net. Right. One of the things with, with, with sister Coleman was this is you look at the old Testament prophets. I mean, the one prophet walked naked for what, two years, you know, and another one cut off all of his hair and, and burn it in front of a bunch of, and, so there was things that, that that God did that was very bombastic, kind of like shocking to your senses. But that's because people, when they get calloused, people, when they become so, their conscience is seared as with a hot yes. iron. Yes. God has to go to great extremes to get a hold of you. As Israel was. Yes. And it's like, it, that's a sign of how backslid and how far away you are. So don't, don't be offended at that. Think, wow, God, have I gotten yeah. so bad it takes Something like that to get a hold of them. Well, not only that, Catherine Coleman stayed behind the curtain, according to Charles Crabtree, who was in California back then and, and worked closely with Catherine Coleman, said she would not come out of uh, behind the curtain until the Lord gave her the release. In other words, she wasn't going to do any ministry within her own power and will. It's going to be God or nothing. Yep. So God, uh, God blessed and used Catherine Coleman in a powerful way. Uh, Reinhard Bunky. Ah, oh man, yes. this guy, he just passed away oh, recently. Yes, he did. Uh, but he was preaching in Africa to thousands and tens and thousands really, of people in yeah. the wave of the spirit. When, when the wave of the spirit would just go and people would be pow- slain mm. in the power of God in these crusades with Reinhard Bunky. And the funny thing, the cool story with Brother Bunky, um, I read his book called, um, Plundering Hell to Populate Heaven, which is a fabulous read, by the way. He's an accidental evangelist. I don't know if you knew that or not. Didn't know that. So he was a missionary laboring in, in, in a little area there in Africa, and they had invited this, this uh, revivalist, this evangelist who specialized in healing and signs and wonders. And he promoted it all over the city, all over the town, posters up everywhere. The guy flew in. They bust him to the, to the village. Reinhardt went to the hotel room to pick him up, and the guy sat there with a suitcase packed and, and brother Bonky says, well, the service starts in half an hour. We got to go. He says, God told me I can't preach. I'm going to fly back to Europe. And brother Bonky goes, what you talking about Willis? <laughs> and he's like, what? Well, he's German. Well, you're talking about Willis. <laughs> so, but anyways, he went back to the auditorium. They had thousands and thousands of African folks there waiting for miracles. And he's like, what do I do? And the Lord told him, you preach. Wow. And thus began his miracle, his miracle minute, just his, his ministry. He preached in one tent crusade, a million people. It was amazing. Amazing. A million people. And he just passed away recently. Yes. The last few weeks. Yep. But, uh, but Reinhard Bunke and, 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 uh, the growth of the Assemblies of God around the world grew tremendously through these healing evangelists yes. and healing, preaching, healing and camp meetings. Through signs and wonders. Absolutely. The Lord was Absolutely. establishing his word. 
So pastor says, this is some of his notes, revival is not dependent on the spiritual climate being just right. Revival seems to be exploding on the darkest scene. Amen. And it can, it can start and gain ground anywhere from Bible schools to a rundown neighborhood church in Los Angeles. Revival knows no bounds. Right. Prayer is the key, yeah. right? It and nothing replaces right. the urgency of prayer, especially praying in the spirit. So preaching a pure, powerful gospel, the word of God, that's, that's no sugar coating. Uh, that is just, uh, no fanciful, uh, fluff. Preach the Bible, the word of God, solid, pure, unadulterated, straight preaching. And the work of the Holy Spirit ain't no revival, he says in plain English, without the Holy Ghost showing up. So we have to expect the supernatural to be commonplace. And it was. So the Sims of God began to explode. Other ministries, uh, Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, Lee College. Universities began to pop up all over the land. And uh, like you saw earlier, the missionaries began to be sent all over the world. And uh, that's just just the Sims of God itself. Pentecostalism and, in the 21st and century. Folks, you got to know we're rushing through this. There's Absolutely. So much. Time stuff. does not permit. But have you enjoyed it? Would you like to know more about Pentecostalism in the 21st century? Uh, we are here. I said we are here. And, uh, and I think, uh, holiness, uh, was important, uh, to keep and maintain holiness. Uh, uh, truly it was the breastplate of righteousness. We kept, uh, the 16 doctrines. Uh, when the Sims of God formed, they had three reasons for being worship of God, edify the body of Christ, build up to make disciples and evangelism of the world. 300 people said we are going to take the world. Yep. And uh, what a miracle, what a declaration. And here we are, uh, 68 million people later. Uh, and I believe God can do it again. Amen. I said he can take us to the next place. Uh, and, and the Lord's coming is very close. How many would say today, Pastor, I believe the Lord's coming is very close. Let me see your hands. Very, very close. And so if he's going to do something, there's two last days prophecies, Pastor. One is a great falling away, which we're seeing. Simultaneously, there is a great outpouring. And so in the last days, Joel said, uh, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And I believe there's a generation of young people that are hungry to see. They haven't experienced nor seen any of the things that we were talking about. They didn't have the brush arbors. They didn't have the sawdust. Right. They didn't have uh, uh, any of those things that maybe some of us have tasted and seen. And so uh, the first great awakening gave birth to the United States of America. The second great awakening would preserve it as a Christian nation. But uh, here today, we need the Holy Ghost if there was ever a day. So Chrissy and Taylor, uh, Pastor, I'll give you the last word sure. if you want to share a just, challenge or anything. Just, just a little from Habakkuk chapter 3. I just want to, the Lord impressed us on my heart this morning as I was getting ready. Woke up this morning at 2.30 mm. uh, with this on my heart. Praise the Lord. So Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says this. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigayanoth. Lord, I have heard the report about thee, and I fear. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Yes. Some versions say in our day. Yeah. And revive the work in our day. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. You know, it's been almost 30 years since Brownville started. Yes. Yes. 1995. Yep. Um, and like we didn't begin to go in there, but. 
Um, I personally, my wife and I went there several times and we saw revival. And uh, it's been 30 years. I, I did this message, this series of messages in 2012. That was nine years ago. And one of the things, a, a couple questions. We're, we see at the beginning of the 20th century, 1901, Pentecost falls in the United States of America. And at the end, we see that, you know, guys like Reinhard Monkey, and we see these, you know, Brother Shambach and these other great, you know, men of God. Pastor, we're 21 years deep into the 21st century. It's 2021. Where's the revival? Mm. That's the Lord in my heart. Wow. We're 21 years deep into this century, and I have a question. Where is the revival? My prayer, and I hope it's yours too, Lord, I've heard about yes. it. This is a great history yes, lesson. Yes. But friends, where is the revival? Enough history. I want to see it. Yes. yes. It's time for my children to know it. And I've got two grandkids. It's time for them to know it. Yes. It's 2021. It's high time, past time for revival. That's Somebody stand to your feet and let's give the Lord a, a praise. Come on, give him a praise this morning. We need... We need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We don't need it education-wise alone. We don't need it an intellectual lesson. You didn't need just another church history lesson. If you want more information, we got books up here you can look at. Pick up some other things. Go online and study it. But we need more than another lesson on the history of revivals. We need the experience. So we're going to call on the Lord if you want to make some altar you can have revival. All you got to do is cir- take a circle uh, around your feet. You can have revival all by yourself. But I choose to ask God to send revival to Oak Grove Assembly to let that flow over out into the springs of living water that has already been prophesied about Springfield, Missouri, that there will be springs of water, living water, that would leave out of this city that would go all over the world. It has already, but how many know God's not finished with us yet?